All right. Welcome, everyone, to Archetypal Hour. Uh, for those listening uh, on a recording later, and especially for those that are with me now, I'm really excited to be joined by a couple new folks to the container. So that is really exciting. Um, and I hope everyone um, is willing to be interactive. I think this space is especially fun when people are willing to jump off of mute or leave comments in the chat. Um, either way, I always set the the um, the disclaimer that I, I'm I'm from an Italian Irish family from Jersey. We talk over each other, so like don't feel don't hesitate to come off mute, talk over me, add something if something's really coming up for you. Please do. Hey, Julie. Um, welcome, welcome. So actually, since we've got a couple folks that haven't been to the space, I'll just yes, I see some some fist pumping because I I've I've invited the archetype of Jersey. And I am a Jersey boy. Like it's a it's a hard part of my uh, identity to, to for me to ever shed. It's just part of the it's part of the makeup, <laughs> part of the makeup. Uh, and yeah, it, it might come out. Oh, interesting! I didn't know that you came from a big Italian family. That's so fun. Yes. All right. Well then, Paisana, you know what I'm talking about. Feel free to butt in, make uh make whatever comments. Uh, we'll have fun. It'll be like a, a big messy conversation at the table um, where you don't really know who's talking because everyone's talking. That's that that would be my goal. But so for those that haven't joined before, what the heck is this space? Well, it's really like it's just a space to allow the archetypes, um, these wonderful sort of shapes or forms or patterns um, that reoccur to make themselves known. And so I often like to start these containers and I'll start it now to start getting people thinking to see if anyone wants to come off mute and share. But I always like to start like, what are some of the forms that seem to be forming uh, your present right now? Or maybe what you sense in your kind of immediate future as well. What are those shapes that seem to be shaping things? Shaping perhaps the way you're seeing things, shaping your perceptions, shaping sort of your desire. Um, shaping maybe your annoyances. And what are those patterns that seem to be patterning? And um, at, in past uh, conversations, I've always tried to, I like trying to keep this grounded between um, in an earth, right? These archetypes are really like, I think Noble had a great transmission with why am I like this last week? And he talked a little bit about like the astrals and the archetypes, you know, that's where they dwell. They're sort of in that, that realm of ideas. Um, and uh, and so it's it's kind of us that gives them real animation in the real world. Um, and so but we want to ground that with with this, this sort of interplay between idea and concepts um, and actual earthly life and living as, a, as an embodied, fully human being, um, sort of how we're all interconnected, interdependent, interwoven, interacting, interpenetrating, interlinking. Um, and I like I use that word inter because it, it not only means sort of between, because I think that there's sort of this uh, interplay, right, of, of the astral and the earth, um, but also inter to put it into earth, right, which I think is really timely. So we're going to be putting all the betweens into earth, into living matter. So into like living shapes and living forms and living patterns, this interplay of dense and subtle. So. I'm wondering if anyone has anything that's coming to mind as I was rambling uh, about this. 
From inter to into. Exactly, Anna. Thank you. If anyone has any archetypes, forms, shapes, patterns, um, it could take the form of anything. Could take the um, uh, could be a symbol, right? That's another kind of way. Could be a deity, right? Which um, usually deities are sort of have become a unique version of a larger, broader archetype. Generally, um, but I think deities are really important uh, part of the archetypal landscape for sure. But I'm just curious, anything is coming up for people? Are there archetypes that they feel were really present for them this week or present for them? Uh, right now in this moment as they think about their week to come. Feel free to come off and mute or drop it in the chat. Ooh. Now this is fun. So Anna has just shown a picture. She says, I walked by this today and what we see is a blindfolded justice. Now it doesn't name justice. It's just the top part torso. And we see her holding the scales in her left hand and a blindfold over her eyes. And justice has been this reoccurring archetype that has shown up so much in some of our containers. I know a lot of the, the circle containers that Anna runs, justice just kept showing up. Justice has also shown up a lot in field, tone, field tuning. Um, and I think our, one of our original archetypal hours, we did talk a little bit about her. So Anna, I'm just curious, like, because we were talking about, I saw this in one of our other threads. But yeah, like when you saw Justice today, like just uh, uh, what came to your mind? Like when you saw her, I, my I'm picturing you just like laughing, like this lady follows me everywhere. But I'm curious, <laughs> what, yeah, what came up for you? That was exactly my reaction, Adam. I was just like, I'm just laughing. Like, <laughs> I'm like, is this confirmation bias? Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> He's persistent. Justice is persistent. <laughs> no worries, love. That's funny. And um, yeah, like if you were to try, and again, this might not be easy to do, but if you were to try to put words to what you sense justice is drawing your attention to these days, um, I'd love to hear it. I know that's kind of a hard question, but I'm curious. Hmm. It is a hard question, but also, um, and I kind of was like even thinking about that before you asked. So thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think it kind of relates to, um, I wrote a little bit about this in, vent, or in the vent channel earlier, but kind of like this, I guess, I mean, you said interplay. So like, I feel like justice is asking me to like um, integrate like a way of being that's like that allows me to like critique, but like with compassion and like sort of like rewriting some of this like puritanical programming that's like needs to like exile people or like exile myself mm. um when i make a mistake so i think like i think for me it's a lot about like compassion to be honest mm. um and like self-forgiveness too um yeah 
that's beautiful so it's like that's really interesting so you so justice you think has been coming in and maybe pointing you towards the more merciful compassionate side of justice um and as a counterbalance to the puritanical impulse that's kind of written into the fabric of uh certainly american culture yeah and like my bloodline to be fair like (laughs) um yeah i think i'm gonna just trust that that came into the container because like there was a part of me that was like well maybe that's not really it but i think it's pertinent that like that's what came to heart when you asked the question you know yeah i appreciate that and that's really beautiful actually i love this sort of merciful side of justice because i think sometimes yeah justice it's such a big wide archetype and there's so many different versions of justice too um hey hoda but i love it like you're really feeling drawn towards this more merciful passionate and less like yeah like i like you also i think you use the word critique like this ability to critique to weigh in without um mm-hmm. without like uh oh without i'm not trying to trying to think of what the word is it's funny too when i when i hear critique for some reason i just i'm i'm automatically thinking of the tarot justice that giant sword she's holding <laughs> I don't know why I'm that word's drawing me to a sword, but it feels like, yeah, a way to critique without necessarily doing too much damage. I don't know. That's yeah, I like how to make a clean cut or like oh, how to, perfect. You know, like how to wield a sword. Kind yes. of. Yeah. Cut. Hey. Ooh. Um so the um thank you, Anna. Um, justice was in- is interesting um, coming up for me today because I actually so I, I went to um, a local Unitarian Universalist church for the mm-hmm. first time since I was a kid because I was raised Unitarian Universalist um, and I noticed in their program that they and in their kind of opening words they, they have this big emphasis on justice um, which is is refreshing to me that um, they they care so much about it. Um, and in terms of like social justice, um, mm. yeah, and they they make a point of it to point out like we are on. I'm in Massachusetts, and we're on the the indigenous land, um, and and pointing out like what um, you know they they even mentioned uh, like reparations and things like that. Um, but also at the sermon, they talked about safety, and I thought, what is the intersection of safety and justice, and what that means? Like, and I thought about you know boundaries and what what that means. Um, if anybody wants to to add on to that, that, I'm not sure exactly what that what there where that could go, but if it sparks any ideas. Thank you so much, Lum. That's beautiful. And I'm curious, like when. When justice came up, um, yeah, it sounds like in that tradition, it was coming up with specifically related to social justice, but also you said reparations too was something that was named specifically and indigenous populations. That's beautiful. 
And then this question about boundaries. Yeah, I'm curious if that's if that is, that's a great question, Lump. If that's sparking something for someone, what rule about boundaries and justice, which I feel like has come up in maybe some other containers when justice was coming up around, I think it was coming up around like Venus retrograde period. So there were some questions about Venus and like, especially like that romantic kind of element of Venus and um, and justice. I remember there's some interesting conversations coming up, which I feel like might relate to boundaries in some way, but I'm just going to let that marinate with everyone and see if anyone has something that pops up for them on that about justice and boundaries. Hmm. I don't know why I'm like being drawn, I feel like, to the blindfold. I don't know how that relates to boundaries, but it's the blindfold is really striking me, this archetypal blindfold. Okay, look. Hmm. All right, well. So more compassion and justice. Hmm. I'm wondering if if there are archetypes and maybe even like archetypes from like maybe even fictional or story um, of this sort of more compassionate side of justice that come up for people. I think it's a really wonderful, beautiful facet of justice. And I'm curious if um, if there's any archetypes that are coming up related to that other side of of this sort of compassionate, merciful side of justice. Oh, that's a great question, Anna. We have another really powerful question. Let's see what, what what pops for people. But this question came up. Yeah, like what do people mean when they say justice is blind? Yes, Julie says, perhaps the blindfold represents the absence of bias. It's an interesting way to show bias, to, to show not bias, though. Because it's like, it's sort of in an archetypal sense, it's drawing, it's drawing a, a connection between what the eyes see and bias. Which is quite fascinating to me. I think maybe it's pointing us to the fact that, that our eyes really quite deceive us they can they can narrow us it's like you know in the dark all things look the same right it's like a big empty field of potential it could be anything it could be a rope or a snake right it, it could be both at once in a way sort of like in a quantum kind of way right whereas with sight with light suddenly now we see things we see shapes and forms and patterns. And when we see those shapes and forms and patterns, we start associating them with things that we've already known. So we say, oh, I know that shape. Oh, I know that. I think of like, um, <clears throat> this is a really weird example for some reason, but my daughter, uh, she's, you know, grade school age watching cartoons. She'll make distinctions about characters based on their faces, right? Because then the character's like, well, if they have eyelashes, that does something in the cartoon world, right? If it's a maybe feminine versus masculine. If their eyebrows are pointed a certain way, it might mean that they're more deceptive or 
puppy or playful or mean or angry, right? So there's a lot that's going on just by the shapes where she'll say, mm, I don't know if I trust that character just because of the shape of their face or their eyes or their eyebrows. And then feel like that's somehow related to this, this bias that our eyes have of what they know from the past based on that same shape. Welcome, welcome to those joining us. We're talking about what archetypes are alive, present, showing up in your field, maybe this week or reoccurring for you right now, or things that maybe you're sensing have something to tell you about this moment or in the immediate future. And right now we're talking a little bit about justice, the archetype of justice, and a little bit about what it means that justice is blind or blindfolded. Julie says, it feels especially important since most humans heavily rely on sight as a sense in current time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is so, like, even more crazy now with the phones, where it's like this, this sort of race to get our eyeballs. Our eyes are always glued and fixed to something. And... It's always being, there's different things competing for our eyes, right? Or competing for our attention. And our eyes are often really closely connected with this idea of attention. Yes, and Julie says, so taking that out of the equation of justice is a bit jarring. Yeah, it's like, what does that look like? To have justice, but without the power of eyes. Aren't, aren't we going to miss important things without sight that might tell us what the justice what you know what's just and this archetype is saying no you're not missing anything by by being without your sight which is a very kind of yeah difficult thing to kind of reconcile with how we normally view and see the world or as hoda says or will we have to rely on senses other than sight and that does seem like maybe that's what she's telling us <laughs> Anna said, did the moon just enter the chat with that question of relying on senses other than sight? And I'm curious if you want to say more about the moon here. I love this. And when you said that, I'm thinking of the two of swords right now in my head from the Rider Waite Smith, but I'm curious what's coming up for you. Well, I I mean, I really don't know like well, I do know how other people interpret the moon card, but to me, that is like a hallmark of the moon, is mm -hmm. like um, being able to navigate darkness and like rely on others, on senses other than sight. From I my really, interpretation. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. I love that. And I feel like the way you phrase that, what came up for me right away was this sort of role that the moon has as being like lord of the waters and lord of the tide and this ability to sort of move and stir the waters within us and on the planet. And yeah, what does that mean when, when our waters get stirred? <laughs> but it's interesting to think of that as, as maybe more reliable on, in, a just, in a just sense, potentially. Interesting. Yeah, what came up for me when you said moon was, I'm going to share it in the chat, was the um, the Two of Swords in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck has a, a woman who's sitting 
blindfolded with a crescent moon behind her and she's got two swords pointing on either side of her and it's like very much like a, a decision point type of a archetype and i think in past reads i have often felt like this read is, is looking at doing a more intuitive going within type of um decision making where blinding actually helps someone go within Anna said Loki combines justice and moon. Yeah, and so I guess now that I'm thinking about it, like, you know, to Hoda's point before about other senses other than sight, I'm thinking about just the tradition of going of closing your eyes when you meditate or going into a cave in a lot of lineages to remove sight, helping you see the inner light, the inner visions, the things that are contained within, and how they might guide better or perhaps differently or perhaps leading us to more justice or to kind of circle back to um Nobu's container which I, I mentioned at the top where he was talking a lot about sort of intuition as a way to allow karma to ripen and come to the surface um for harvest so to speak is that yeah something about removing our sight of the earthly plane allows this sort of inner visioning to occur which might lead us to some interesting choices and decisions and things that might lead us to a path. Now, I'm, I'm curious how that relates to justice. Interesting. Sorry, I'm just kind of talking out loud. Someone cut me off, please. Come off mute. Share what's coming up for you. <laughs> mm. Mm. Beautiful. Um, it was interesting what you said about um, intuition guiding us through um, our karma. Uh, and I thought relating to justice, um, in, a, in some versions of karma, I think, you know, there are different, different interpretations of what karma is. Karma can be seen as sort of like a poetic justice that... Um, you know, or, or or like you know, the almost like what comes around goes around sort of justice. Sometimes I I I guess like in in life it can feel like sometimes things resolve themselves, like the universe balances itself out. If 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 an injustice has been brought, it it's something. It, it I I at least in my life it's always felt like it's been taken care of somehow. Um, whether indirectly or directly. Um, yeah. Ooh, thank you for saying that. Thank you for bringing this dimension of karma in. And yeah, it really does feel like, yeah, it's almost like that blindfold. And if we're going to kind of go with this intuition, like uh, kind of akin to what, and I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me. Uh, and like I said, check out that, that most recent, why am I like this for more on that transmission. But yeah, that this sort of intuition is bring us to these these events, these things that um, allow the karma to come up to the surface. And something about that karma, that sort of required action or this action that's coming up is sort of giving us this opportunity to maybe balance the scales or to bring justice to some elements of ourselves that have been repressed or that need expression or that need resolution. Um, yes. 
And that with sight, we might not walk into some of those the same way. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, what just came up for me was um, just the intuition going inside the blindfold. It's it's to me, it feels like we have um, internal justice towards ourselves, like our relationship with ourselves. We have to give ourselves. We have to also provide ourselves, treat ourselves in a just manner. And if we are doing are treating ourselves in an unjust manner, we also have to to balance that. Yes, beautifully said. And now I'm feeling like that to go to circle back to like the social justice element that you brought in. I'm feeling that popular refrain: "No justice, no peace." What does that look like when there's no inner justice, no inner peace? Or at least that's been my experience. Oh yeah, totally. That like that's yeah, that's great. Hmm. Before we we jump to anyone else that has something that's popping for them, any archetypes that are alive or kind of making themselves more known or drawing your curiosity, any any other thoughts on on this justice before? I'm sure justice, this won't be the only time she comes up in this container, but just wanted to give cold space for any last thoughts on justice that really feel like they should be mentioned and voiced in this container. Thank you all for everyone. This has been such a rich one already. And I see some some folks typing, so I'm going to hold on. Yes. But it says the Libra archetype is coming up for me right now. Yes. In relation to justice. Indeed. Indeed. It is funny. Oh, wow. Anna was just said, said, Hoda, I was just legit typing that. So Libra really wants to come in. Okay, let's talk about Libra for a second or two here, for sure. It's funny, too. This morning, I was like, just sometimes I just get into these, like, let me go back to basics with astrology archetypes, because it's just like the basic stuff with astrology is so rich. Um, and I was just thinking, like, it was, when you think about, like, breaking down a sign, I always think, like, for me, the most important archetypes or the most important ingredients of that sign are the planet that rules it and the element. And so Libra, sort of like, what does that look like to have Venus energy in an airy, the air aspects of Venus? But Anna's saying, oh, what came up for you specifically was Saturn in Libra. Which I believe is his exaltation, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. If it, someone please help me or correct me on that. I'm going to have to look it up. But I feel like Libra is the exaltation of Saturn. Am I making this up? <laughs> who's, who's got that knowledge in their head? Let's see. Let me look at my phone. Oh, it is. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. So that's a really important component of Libra too, right? That its exaltation is Saturn. Who is like cold and a dry planet too. So it's like this, it's like this cold gust of wind. (laughs) At least that's the archetype that's coming in my mind of like this cold wind that's clarifying. But Saturn... And that's funny, too, because Saturn is often a planet associated with karma, which is something that we've been talking about a bit. 
Interesting. Yeah. Jenna said there's a sink going on too. It's been so windy here today, like gale force winds. It's been really windy near me too. That's funny. Maybe that's why I'm thinking of cold winds. <laughs> mm. And Hoda, I know you're driving, so you might not be able to, but if you had anything more you wanted to share about Libra or what sort of feeling alive with Libra right now for you, I'd love to hear it. Wow. Oh, and Agnew is here too. Thank you. I didn't even see him. Welcome, welcome, Agnew. And just to catch you up, we're just talking about archetypes that feel particularly present for you in this moment. They feel like they're kind of shaping things, shaping the way you're looking. Feel like the, the, you're you're seeing those patterns reoccur. And speaking of reoccurring patterns, we've been spending some time thinking and talking about justice, which has been a reoccurring archetype that Anna has seen and thrown up a lot of our containers. Hoda says, "Well, I'm thinking of the symbol of the scales and what is being measured." Now, this is a really good question. Ooh, let's take a second to just think about that. What is being measured? And now I'm thinking of like Ma'at, which has come up a lot as well in these containers. And with her, like there was a very specific thing being measured, right? It's, it's the heart being measured against this feather. Um, this lightness. So there's like a lightness of the heart that's being, that's being uh, measured. I don't know if that's the Ma'at, though. I don't know, like, yeah, do we think that, that resonates for Libra more generally? Or do we think there's other things that are going on in that measuring scales of the Libra archetype? Same goes for justice, actually. Anna, like, what do you think? What do you think that that, that woman that you saw today was? What is she measuring exactly? What is it, what's on either side of that scale? What's being scaled? <clears throat> hmm. What is being measured? Whew. So we've got the heart as one. Anyone else have anything that's a feeling like maybe it could be not. It doesn't have to be a, an answer that's like definitive. It's more like in your sort of inner justice archetype right now. Maybe if justice is present for you, what do you feel like your justice, your inner justice, that sort of justice that lives within you, that helps you navigate? What is she weighing for you? What is she helping you measure? What is she helping you see? Or assess? Or judge. Ooh, I said the use of time. Now that is powerful. What? Wait a second. Hoda, is this is that a picture alive right now? Hoda just drove by another justice. She is really making herself known. That's crazy. Wow. And in this case, she's like wearing this beautiful gown. She's got the scales in her left hand. And the right. And then another scale? What is happening? Oh, just seeing another scale sending pictures. Wow. Julie says she looks ready. Ooh. I didn't even know this was by my house till just now, says Hoda. That's wild. 
So this this scales the scales make want to make themselves known along with justice. Agnew, I'm you don't have to if you don't want to, but I'm I'm inviting to to either come off mute or share in the chat just if you want to say anything more about the use of time because that does feel extremely juicy. Um, if you're willing to to share more on that. Yes, and Saturn's relationship to time too. Yes, and yeah, I, I don't know if you heard that part, but when when uh, Holy mentioned Libra, and I instantly thought of Saturn and Libra, which is uh, also Saturn's exaltation. So there's some really cool stuff going on here. Yes, please, of course, take your time. Julie says, "I'm being reminded of the wound gift of sidereal Libra." I'm going to share two tweets. The wound, this is, I'm reading a tweet from Dana Lynn uh, Knuckles, who at People's Oracle, hopefully it's going to let me actually click into this thing so I can read it formally. Um, the wound of Sidereo Libra is coercion. It's being stripped of your autonomy and agency via punishment and manipulation. The coping strategy of Sidereo Libra is compliance, even in the midst of violence, emotional manipulation, or strict rules. Compliance is, and oh man, I lost the rest of it. I'll find it. But wow. Okay, I'm going to go back to Discord before I lose myself there. Oh, they're lives. Yep. Ooh. Wow. And also it says in this in this chat, the gift of Sidereal Libra, this is from that Twitter also, the gift of Sidereal Libra is being strategic. It's the ability to navigate the complexities of relationships while still having power and agency to move towards what sustains and preserves. Now that isn't a useful gift for finding justice. I don't know what is. The ability to navigate the complexities of relationships while still having power and agency to move towards what sustains and preserves their lives. Dang. Oh, and it says the strategy part. I'm like, oh, is this why Libra is the opposite of Aries? Yes, this Libra Aries axis. It's funny too, because like, yeah, it's all about action, right? This axis, right? Because Saturn, I mean, a Libra is often like sort of like the, the sort of pop astrology stereotype is of the Libra is, is someone who has a hard time making decisions. They're weighing things too much. And the sort of similarly pop archetype of Aries is that they're rash and impulsive and they, they do the opposite. They act too fast. Interesting. Lump says this hits home for me in a personal way with a recent relationship experience and had manipulation. I was too compliant. I'm very sorry to hear that lump. But it does feel like, just for the way that that was phrased, it does feel like you, you've learned some extremely important things about yourself um, and about the way you want to move from that interaction. And yeah, there's some affirmations here of others who have been there before. Yes, lump says, I learned a lot. That's why I keep bringing up boundaries. Amen. I, I can't, for some reason, whenever I think of Libra, like, I can't help but think of my mom. She's a Libra son, and she very much, like, 
she very much uh conforms to some of those stereotypes and uh yeah it was all about this sort of delicate dance and navigation um with her uh but because of that because she was always trying to like affect an outcome without showing her hand too much manipulation was just right there always interesting yes and like can justice i feel like asking this question like can there really be justice with manipulation like is that a is that a tool that can really affect justice i, I i'm not so sure they feel pretty counter one another but then again i am thinking of i don't know i'm i'm, I'm gonna ask this group is manipulation is is sort of guile something that somehow can actually serve just justice or no? Now I'm feeling the egregore of Puritans coming back up in my in my own in my own body mind, uh, uh, Anna, uh, thinking about like, well, if we got justice, maybe it is, and then the other parts like that's so wrong, manipulation. Agnew says, I guess the thing that stands out about my experience in this arc of my life is that I'm back at home. And in addition to the boundaries that come with that more structured place, I'm building boundaries around what I do with my time. Uh, slash, in quotes, the places I go. It's about aligning all resources and actions more coherently. I love that phrase. I love how you're using coherently there. Wow. Aligning all resources and actions more coherently that feels like oh, it does feel like it's really something essential about justice too the way that you're phrasing that to me i wonder if anyone else feels that too this he, he, he they go on this has appeared more clearly as well i picked up an hourglass a while ago though the cat broke it and a little statue of an owl came to me auspiciously a symbol of discernment mm. I love these archetypes and how they're relating to this question of time and where we go and how we align our resources and actions. And there's something funny about the cat breaking the hourglass. I'm like just letting that sit in the archetypal way. <laughs> like I'm going beyond like the kind of like regular sort of way of saying, oh, yeah, kind of like to fuck with things. Right. But like, no, let's think about this like like we're in a dream. Like what's going on there? The cat looking over the hourglass. That feels potent to me. That feels really potent. That's funny. Just a little, little mitt. Knock that thing. Eh. Like a little, like, yeah. And there's something, like, for some reason, I, the word wild is coming up because, like, cats are like these things that are these beautiful, wonderful, mysterious creatures that are like domesticated in quotes and that they're never really domesticated. They're wild as hell. They do whatever the hell they want. And I think it's just funny that the cat, this sort of like archetypal symbol of doing whatever the hell you want, this independent spirit is like, yeah, no, fuck you time. Sorry for my language today, but it's knocking that hourglass over. Agnew says, in quotes, no to strictly structured time. Ooh, yes. He, they go on, hourglass is also linear and discrete time. Yes. Yes, it's like a very specific aspect of time 
that linear time, and that's come up in other containers too, versus more like well, what's been called different things, but I think I've called it like the rhythmic time or cyclical. Julie says, try something different is what I hear from the seed. <laughs> try it differently. He says, nope, I'm, I'm not even letting you look at that thing anymore. Grains that fall in the line, says Agnes. Ooh, grains that fall in the line. Mm. Julie says, in cat asshole language. <laughs> Oh, there's such devious little spirits. I love them. I love also that in the Middle Eastern world, like they're just sort of widespread um, knowledge that the, the, the jinn are, on the, are clearly in the mix with cats, which makes so much sense to me. But of course, cats are possessed by jinn. Like, how else would it be? <laughs> yeah, and uh, check, check, check it out. I'm not really doing it justice because it's not a lineage I come from, but there's some really fun stuff about uh this sort of i guess i guess i want to use the word folklore but i don't know if that's the right word but a lot of the sorts of things that come up about uh the jinn taking the form of cats or when you're with a cat you might be in the presence of a jinn that's funny thank you all this has been fun talking about this libra and justice and the measuring and this, the cat's delivering her own justice with her little paw. Um, oh, Hoda, thank you for chiming in. She says, yep, it's fun, funny lore. It is, it is funny. It is funny. Anyone else have anything they want to share on the measuring piece? I love what Agnew said about kind of measuring what to do with our time. I mean, it. that's a really interesting thing when it comes to justice, too. Like, if we were to go back to like kind of that social justice thing that, that Lump brought in from the um, from their experience at the at the Universalist Church, the Unitarian Church, you know, it does kind of raise this question about like justice in a social kind of political sense of like what's worth all the time too, right? Like what are we going to spend our time arguing and fighting about? Also, there's a huge amount of energy and time to try to bring justice to things. And it's a really interesting question. At least for me, it's coming up as an interesting question. Lump says, oh, yeah, pick your battles, too. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Hey. Um, what's up, Adam? I hey. wanted to um, share and muse a little bit about and kind of, like, I guess synthesize some of what's coming up for me regarding, like, Saturn, Libra, the scales, and this symbol of like justice in relation to peace. And I think like from like the offset of this container, um, which I was only able to like vocally join after I finished running my errands, I was thinking about the fact that, or a sense that I get that often the symbol for me justice comes up when I have to like mobilize myself to seek justice for myself. And one of the biggest challenges with that is like not exacting justice or resisting the urge to exact justice in the way that it was like enacted upon me um or like with the same velocity of, of which injustice was like exacted on me to be like i'm just gonna you know like sword them right back and it's like well that doesn't actually like balance the scales and so i think for me like with libra coming up and this 
synthesis of it being related to the exaltation of Saturn. It makes me wonder, because there is like a lot of egregores around the Libra archetype, but one of the things that I've learned from just other Libras or like people who have a lot of Libra placements in their chart is this ability to um, measure one's own self, like one's own temperament against the circumstance and at like almost welcoming in a, a particular circumstance, whether it's relational, social, um, and, and kind of allowing that circumstance to like help refine the, the way that justice gets enacted for any one given person um, after the fact. And so it's interesting because also my, <laughs> my sidereal sun placement is Libra. And like, of course, like most people, after I like devoured as much sidereal lore as I could, I was like, wow, I really relate to being like a sidereal Libra. And I also wanted to like comment on the social aspect of Libras being mounted with the burden of being like socially manipulative and like even spineless shielding to some people. And like, I don't know, like, I mean, I obviously actively resist those uh, things, but I also believe that there is this gem of wisdom that rests in, um, in Libras that has to do with, um, that has to do with that, that like, like measuring one's temperament against the circumstance and also how to exact justice without disrupting the peace of a like a local environment, which I mean, I struggle with. I'm not like a tropical Libra, just the sidereal one. So, <laughs> I mean, in reality, I'm like a tropical Scorpio, but it, it does, it brings up a lot um, for me. And I also really love this piece and I'm glad that Agnew brought it in about in relation to like Saturn and how, um, Saturn in certain lineages, it's it's even said that Saturn is the entity that we answer to once we transcend out of this body. And so it almost makes me wonder if justice is in service to um, not only just linear time, but a variety of different choice points that people have at their disposal. And kind of like what Agnew says, um, this ability to account for what people do with their time, um, which is, I feel like is deeply Saturnian. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to put that out there. Um, thanks for, thanks for receiving. Thank you so much. Wow. There was so much there, Hoda, but I, I'm like, I'm just really, I put it in the chat too. I'm especially stuck or especially struck me out of all of that beautiful transmission was this idea of the scales measuring your sort of self and temperament against the circumstance and sort of this, this equilibrium point that is bringing together the, the inner, the internal state and the external state. Right. Um, and I love how you said that, how that sort of calculus is so much more different, so much more nuanced and complex and complex than, um, than just sort of returning, right? Which is sort of like, oh, this happened, so this has to happen. Like the sort of equal opposite reaction, kind of like Newtonian sort of reaction. Whereas at Libra, like you can you can clown a Libra maybe for or some that archetype of like, oh, they just are indecisive. This like, yo, they're just thinking about so much more than you are. <laughs> like I actually have a, a coaching client that's a Libra, and like 
she's just her calculus is very complex because there's so many data points that she is sort of taking in and weighing in her mind. So, like, yeah, there can be some indecision because, like, there's so much more layers to the analysis than maybe uh, someone that's, that doesn't have that sort of energy strong within them. And I love the way you pinpoint that as, like, the sort of weighing of the internal sort of who you are and, 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 and your, you know, what you're, the stuff you're made of and the, the, the environment that you find, the circumstance, the actual event, and trying to find this equilibrium in this extremely super precise space time you know like i don't think a libra would be and this is now me kind of jumping ahead more on this archetype so those with that um presence let me know although i have venus as my atmakarika uh uh in uh sidereal so i feel close to venus enough to say that like there's something there about you know, I don't think a Libra, people who are very Venusian, would particularly like saying, well, you did this in that circumstance. So that means that's always the way. Like, no. Whoa. That was that circumstance, dude. There's a whole other circumstance over here. You know, like, don't, don't, don't tie me down to how I reacted in that one moment. This ain't scripture. This is a, a live. Mm. I want to go back up to um, something Agnew said about the Tao Te Ching, said the things you're saying remind me of this section from the Tao Te Ching. Quote, newborn, we are tender and weak in death. We are rigid and stiff. Living plants are supple and yielding. Dead branches are dry and brittle. So the hard and unyielding belong to death, and the soft and pliant belong to life. An inflexible army does not triumph. An unbending tree breaks in the wind. Thus the rigid and inflexible will surely fail, while the soft and flowing will prevail. From chapter 76. Wow, that is beautiful. Wow, that feels so related. Yes, thank you for bringing that into this container. Yes, and you're right. Like speaking of that wind, that cold wind, if the branch is too hard and brittle and dry, that thing's just going to snap. But if it's got some bend to it, which we know Libra's got some bend to it, right? Libra's flexible. <laughs> Beautiful. And I'm just going back up. Hoda said, yes, contact is so important. So yes, thank you for affirming that point. Um, Agnew says, what this type of thought also has revealed to me is the reason that, quote, normalcy is the way it is, the reason the status quo is what it is. It's a great way to understand why things rest where and why they do. Mm. Mm. Whoo! Ah, this, this, this has been fun. I feel like we, I feel like that, to me, that feels like, I don't know, that wrapped it up on a bow for me, Hoda. I just want to say that out loud. <laughs> I feel like what you said wrapped up. I love, I don't think I'm going to look at the scales differently. I'm going to really let that sit. I'm just like kind of talking out loud as like literally my body mind is reacting to this, this really lovely archetypal image of the way. And the heart and the feather, like I'm going back to that for a second. 
And maybe someone who knows more about the feather of Ma'at. Sorry to put you on the spot, Hodai Isaac, because you're coming to mind, but I know you're not the only one that has really tuned into these comedic uh, lineages and deities. But I, I, I can't help but see that kind of from that lens of the circumstance, too. Of, like, the heart being weighed against. Like, how does that... I don't know why. I'm like, my mind is really wanting to connect the feather to this point that you're making about circumstance. I'm not sure why, but it really wants to do that. I don't know if it's forcing something, but that's what I'm just talking out loud. That's what's drawing me in. But I'm really just so grateful for this. Ooh. All right, I'm going to hold a little bit of space to see if there's any, any final thoughts on this and then see. Okay, thank you, Hoda. Often some lore relate the feather to Thoth, the god of wisdom, learning, and thought. Now that is interesting. That this sort of wisdom is this light, feathery archetype. And I'm just thinking about how that relates to what, what Agnew had posted from the Tao Te Ching about this sort of hard and flexible versus soft and supple being alive. This feather that's, I mean, nothing's softer than that. And Julie said, and he's the moon god too, if I'm remembering correctly. See, says Hoda. Yeah. Uh -huh. And owls. There's the owl coming back too. Ooh, there's a couple things being brought in together. Okay. All right. I'm just going to let all that coalesce in everyone's mind body and see if anything is coming up. But yes. Yes, this sort of lightness measured against the heart. And what does that mean for our heart to become lighter? Does that mean also that it becomes more soft, more living? Mm. Mm. And I see Anna typing. I'm curious, Anna, I'm not to call not to like put you on the spot, but since you were the one that helped bring justice into this container, who we've just spent an hour with, like that hour flew by for me because justice had so much to say, I feel like, through all of you. You know, I love I love what um I keep I keep referencing last week's why am I like this from Nobu because I feel like it just really is staying with me. But once again, you know. Um, I'm doing a, probably a terrible job paraphrasing, but they were really describing this, this sort of definition of awareness as sort of this these interactions between bodies at different levels. Um, and I'm just thinking about what that means of like this justice, larger body of justice, and that how it's interacting with our bodies, right? And all of us are bringing in different aspects of our relationship with justice and how it's painting this broader awareness right now in real time. But I am curious to go back to you, Anna, who know, who brought this in to see if if this conversation is, I don't know, maybe deepening or bringing your awareness to different aspects of justice that maybe weren't on your radar in the same way as when you first started to talk about this. And no worries if not, but I just wanted to kind of give that opportunity to see if anything is really clicking differently since you were the one who lovingly invited her in and i hope she's having a great time it feels chock full of juice Woo! yes 
her cup runneth over. Thank you, Anna. You had no idea what you were about to open up for all of us here. Dang, I feel like I'm even thinking about those scales of justice differently, too. Mmm. Kind of whole space. I see some folks typing. See if anything else that's coming through on this. And I guess also I um just we we have a little more time together. I want to invite anyone else that's coming up with with things that are coming up for them that maybe they want to bring into this container. Any archetypes? It's funny. I had this whole thing in my head of like, oh, I might go down this direction, and I'm so glad I didn't because I really love the way this this conversation went. Agnew shares the fractal scales. Each platter holds another set and so on and so on and so on. Two is not just two. Ooh. Ooh. The fractal scales. Agnew, do you want to share a little bit more about that? I love that kind of bringing in like the geometries of these scales where there's like you go to the platter on the scale. I sort of like in my mind, this is how my mind's going. I don't know if this is how you meant it, Agnew, but like you're going onto the scale and you realize that on the scale there's another scale. And then you go onto the one of the scales on that scale and you realize there's another scale. And it's just there's just endless amounts of scales. And uh and human beings, you know, our actions are meant to somehow balance all these freaking scales that are infinitely recursing, you know, that are fractal fr fractaling out. If that's a verb, I don't know if fractaling is a verb, but whatever. It's 2024. We can make shit up. Agnes says, yeah, I was drawing that mention of a Libra client with complex calculus. Ah, directly into the symbolism. That complex calculus is just the scales taken to their limit. Woo! Yes. Yeah, that is a really calculus because you, 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 you have like one of these little scales. It's within the scale, it's in within the scale, it's within the scale. You move a little bit there, and suddenly we got to now do something about the other scale on the other side, and it, it gets really complex. Julie, thank you. She says, I love making up words. Me too. I think it's fun. I'm glad that, uh, yeah. So please bring your made up words to this container always. Um, and I said, oh my God, my channel just went whoosh. I'm imagining hopefully something with this sort of scales on scales. I feel like that meme too is scales all the way down. Yep, it's just scales all the way down. <laughs> Thank you, Lump. I really appreciate you being in the container with us. Thank you so much for contributing. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lexi. She's bringing in another, um, another translation of the 76 hardness. I'm going to read it out loud. Living people are soft and tender. Corpses are hard and stiff. 10,000 things, the living grass, the trees, are soft, pliant. Dead, they're dry and brittle. So hardness and stiffness go with death. Tenderness, softness go with life. And the hard sword fails. The stiff trees fell. The hard and great go under. The soft and weak stay up. Ooh, so funny how that translation has a little extra little spice to it. Sort of this upside down kingdom archetype type of a vibe. Sort of blessed are the poor kind of vibes from my Christian lineage coming up for me. 
Agnew was talking about Le Guin has a trend. This is the Le Guin translation. Yeah, it's come up, and it's. I think someone actually has the PDF posted in the in a thread, Agnew. So if you look, you should be able to find a um, a free version of that translation. And actually, Nobu's been playing around with the idea of maybe doing a book club around it. Hoda says yes, it's giving the meek will inherit the earth. Yeah, that's the kind of vibe I got with that. Yeah. Anna says, I have this really distinct memory of my grandma and grandpa's bathroom growing up. They had one of those situations where the mirrors were on three walls and you could see yourself all the way down. I used to spend hours looking in them. Yes, that definitely relates to this sort of like this sort of scale within the scale sort of imagery of all the fractals where it's like, but, but you just, I just picture all these Anna's just like, but this <laughs> trying to weigh justice, the hall of mirrors. Yes. Yes. The duot. Ooh. The duot has been invoked. And actually, it's funny. The underworld uh, has been coming up so much in these containers. And you asked, Hoda, what I was going to possibly go into today. Um, I've been really drawn for a long time offering emeralds to this container. Beautiful. Um. I've been drawn to the story of Psyche and Cupid. Uh, and I finally, I have picked up a book. I found out that, that um, you know, it's a, it's a, folk, it's a uh, folklore, right, mythology. But it actually shows up in a novel the first time it's really laid out. And there's other versions of it. But I finally picked up a copy of this book uh, called The Golden Angels, which is a great name. Um, and, um, and The Golden Angels is by a uh i'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this name by apulius um is like one of the only like it's the oldest full latin novel that exists um and it's great it's like a really body read it's fun but the story of psyche and cupid shows up as like a tale within the tale this old woman is telling the story yeah there's a thread that i started that i have to give more love to um but i was going to just maybe go into that a little bit i don't know if it really feels related right now so i might save it for another container but it's a it's a pretty wild story. But anyway, the reason why I, I thought of it again was because you mentioned the Dua. And in that story, it's one of many stories that I've been drawn to lately where there is a, a trip to the um, a trip to the underworld. Psyche has to, as part of one of her trials that Venus puts her through. She has to go into the underworld. And the passage on the underworld is so crazy because, like, it's just so treacherous. There's so many things that Psyche has to be warned about. And of all the people to kind of help her with that, it's actually a tower that, that speaks to her. So the archetype of tower is helping her. Anyway, that's something I kind of might go into in a future container. But yeah, so Psyche and Cupid was something that was been in my uh, field of awareness and sort of coming up for me this week. Um, what about everybody else as we kind of uh, um, see if anything else is coming up that people haven't had a chance to discuss archetypes that might be coming up for them this week or that are um, that feel alive for them at this current moment? And maybe maybe it's fun if it's it's just really we're honing in on the justice, but I want to just open it up and see if there's other archetypes that might want to come play and come to the dance floor. Right? It's an open mic night for the archetypes here, always. And I'm curious if anyone else had the archetypes that have something they want to say.
Mm. Lexi says, I feel like this aligns. Le Guin writes a comment on the bottom of it. This is the 76th part of the Tao Te Ching. And it says, in an age when hardness is supposed to be the essence of strength, and even the beauty of women is reduced nearly to the bone, I welcome this reminder that tanks and tombstones are not very adequate role models, and that to be alive is to be vulnerable. Woo! And this, wow, this ain't, thank you so much, Lexi. If this ain't full circle to what Anna was saying, in my opinion, I don't know what is about this sort of more merciful, compassionate side of justice. I feel like this is really, I feel like this is just justice hard at work again, giving us another way to think about what this soft vulnerability, what this lifefulness, to make up another word, um, has to say to, to us about justice. Mm. Yeah, because what would justice be if it wasn't life affirming? Like, what would be the point of justice if, if, if it just leads to death? Ugh. Yet, that is the sort of form of justice that many of us are familiar with by just reading the news and uh, taking stock of what's in the air sometimes, especially in a place like America. Agnes says, if the scales were stuck, the hinge needing oil. Mmm, that lubrication, yeah, to fight that, that dryness, that brittleness that brings death. How do we bring that juiciness? And Venus, in a lot of traditions, astrologically, just to kind of bring it back to Libra for a second, you know, it's the lord of, of juice, of fluids. Hoda says it feels like there's Shukra. Yes, exactly. Like especially in the in the Yodish, <laughs> the Lord of the Fluids. Um, Hoda says it feels like there's a nice delineation happening for the exacting justice as an action and justice as a life principle. Yes. Yes. Yes, and for some reason, this, like, life principle part of justice, like, I'm thinking back, maybe because we talked about the Dua and the Underworld, and I mentioned the Underworld, like, like it, when justice can't happen in the in sort of the everyday, you know, justice will happen in the Underworld, hidden beneath the soil, you know, the Chthonic forces, right? They will balance if the forces of the light, or I mean, in terms of, like, the day, time, the sort of above ground won't. I think I'm mixing metaphors here, so forgive me, but yeah, I'm just thinking about this element of like the deep, what's buried, how there's justice there, where all the components of what falls to the ground and finds its way into the earth has its ability to nurture what's growing in the underworld to break out and take life in the above world, in the upper world. Mm. Mm. I see some, some typing. Oh, Hodas asks, is justice protecting cosmic potential? Hmm. 
That is a juicy question. Is justice protecting cosmic potential? And Agnew says, yeah, true, the things that fall between the cracks. Yeah, there's a lot that's fallen between the cracks, especially when I think about the sort of psychic underworld of America and all of the, the injustice that has not ripened yet. I mean, what is brewing in that underworld? As we think about this Pluto return that, that happened not long ago, and we think about this Pluto just moving into, um, into Aquarius in, tro- in the tropical astrology. Woo! Yes, Pluto enters the chat. Yeah, I mean, I, I had also had a, had a mind to like, I don't, know, I don't know if we can like not talk about Pluto for a second. So I'm glad Pluto is finding their way into this chat right now. Because that's a lot about, um, there's an element there about justice too. Although maybe not quite this this softer, merciful side. Pluto <laughs> might be some of the the other side of it. But yes, this is justice protecting cosmic potential. I'm going to let that sit from with me for a second. I'm just going to think about it. Polarities, am I right? Hoda says, "Yeah, exactly." Oh, is justice protecting cosmic potential? this question feels so alive but yet nothing's coming up for me when i ask myself it it just feels like maybe it feels too big for what i can handle right now Uh. yeah agnew says it protects all potential right now that's an interesting way to think of it. Protects all potential, right? It creates all these points where balance is maximized. And in an environment like that, runaway processes that can actually break through and fully burn through the universe are going to be rare or non-existent. And so you get a slow burn. Yeah, I like what you're saying about these sort of runaway processes. This feels very aligned with what I feel like you were invoking with the fractal geometry as well, where it's like there's just so many complicated geometries happening here uh, that are trying to be balanced. Wow. Julie says, makes me think of action and resting potential. Uh, The need for both to come up and to come down. Yeah, now I'm thinking of like the wave. Uh-huh. And the quantum world is coming up for me now, too. Wow. Yeah. And how that relates to the, this potential. Justice protects all potential, right? Yeah, I feel like the way that you're phrasing this, Agnew, is, again, it's like justice. Is this fair to say, guys? Like, justice... It, is a form of balance. It feels like it's a specific form of balance to me right now. I don't know how else to phrase that. Like, all of justice isn't contained just in balance, and all of balance cannot be contained in justice. But these feel like, the, the, these these bodies feel very, uh, they feel like they're sharing a lot of spaces to me right now. Yeah. Where balance is maximized. In order for balance to be maximized, it's just the scale is huge. 
Hoda says, mm, definitely. And Julie, musically, I don't know how, but for some reason, I'm I'm picturing like Parks and Recreation style singing of homeostasis. I don't know why that's how I heard the homeostasis with the musical notes, Julie. That was like, I- that was very accurate, Adam. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Hagnew says, it is balance that, if it had its way, would result in no motion ever. But we don't live in that world. <laughs> and it says, that's what it sounded like for me, too. <laughs> that's funny. It is balance that, if it had its way, would result in no motion ever. Hmm. Hmm. And when it says, if it had its way, the it there... For you, Agnew, is, is is justice? But what's the it there? Everything would be perfectly dampened, says Agnew. Hmm. Libra, more specifically. Hmm. Hmm. And you're sitting with that. Hmm. Hoda says, sometimes balance makes me think of stagnancy, like a fixed pillar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's sort of like, I don't know why. I think think because I would have mentioned, like, this overlap between sidereal Libra and tropical Scorpio, but like I'm thinking of like this sort of how like like the move from like a, a balancing water to like a stagnant still water, like a fixed water, like in Scorpio. I have no idea why that image is coming up. But it is interesting this overlap. That's a whole other conversation though with scenario and uh and tropical. I don't want to like necessarily get into it, but I'm feeling like a weird urge to like add my spicy, stupid take on this for a second for some reason. So please disagree, as Nobu likes to say. But like lately, I've been thinking about, I think it was the other day I had this night sky app um, that I love using to like, you know, actually like uh, if a star or a planet's like really catching my eye, I'm like, right, what, what is that? I want to make sure I know what the actual star that's pointing, that's drawing me in. And as I was looking at that, like, I think not long ago, there was this massive pileup in Sagittarius, sidereal, right? And um, well, tropical, it wasn't in, it wasn't all in Sagittarius. It was spread out across signs. When you use the night sky app, uh, you could see it was all in Sagittarius. And so it just made me think of like how sidereal is more closely lined up with the actual night sky that we might see and what planets, where the planet is like that we could see with our eye kind of. Or in this case, the map, because I'm lazy. Um, whereas tropical, because it's it's lining up around the vernal equinox to keep Aries starting with the um, the start of of, of spring. Um, how it feels like to me, it's sort of like more astral. So, like in my mind, like lately, I've been thinking about this interplay where I feel like tropical is a little bit more like has this has the energy of like more astralized or more like mental sphere parts of of these astrological dynamics this this where a sidereal feels more like i don't know like the actual bodies and how we see them as humans anyway 
Sorry about that random uh, tangent. If anyone has any thoughts on that or feels like being like, yo, what the hell are you talking about? Please, please slap me in the face on that. But I just wanted to bring that up like that. I was thinking about that. Thank you, Agnew. Hmm. <laughs> some typing so i'm just gonna hold some space wow yeah hoda says i'm meditating on in a bit yeah it's a bit of a weird a weird take but yeah this interesting thing about like how balance is looking for like a stop to motion too is still coming still in my field like this thinking about like it's balancing. It's trying to find its equilibrium. It's equilibrium, but it's always moving. Mm. Agnew says, like tropical has more lead time. It's more to the heart, but sidereal might be more literal. Yeah, like how you phrase that with like more lead time. Yeah, like it's like this. Yeah, because like if it's more astralized and it's more projected out, right? You're able to like kind of cry a little bit maybe more in the astrals and it says i feel like what you said about tropical for scenario aligns with what i've heard about it adam yeah and uh, again this is not my expertise so definitely i would always take my thoughts on astrology with a huge boulder of salt but i was just thinking about that difference between sort of yeah i like how that phrase is like more literal archetypes versus more astral archetypes um because like the picture i shared in that that was coming to mind was like i thought it was so cool like when you actually saw the planets because the night sky app will like show you the planet uh you know it, it like enlarges the little dot into an actual planet and it was just kind of fun to see like where the sun the moon uh mercury venus where they were in relation to the actual archer it was also showing over the stars right where it was like this literal and literal in the sense of like if you were to look at these stars with um the eyes of looking at the shape of the archer there's something potent about actually seeing the blinking lights as they configure within this sort of shape that's being formed by the constellation that like with tropical you just don't have the same way because of its relationship with the actual night sky um and it just yeah that, that really struck me as an interesting thing and it says, yeah, I've had the same experience because I also use Starwalk a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's something fascinating. Like, I feel like I feel like it gets I feel like it gets it's like the modern version of the stargazing that happened in our ancestry sometimes. Hoda says, agreed. I feel like tropical zodiac is mostly projection into space. Yeah. Yeah. And that definitely aligns with kind of yeah, how I how I think about it too. That's really interesting, really interesting. Whereas Sidereal Hoda says kind of calls down the power of the stars constellation and gnosis of the stars. Yes, yes, yes. And I just and for me too, like, yeah, the gnosis of the stars. I just love that phrase because I also just think so deeply about the way that the nakshatras, the sort of deeper fixed stars, um, inform 
that whole system of astrology and the gnosis that comes from the fixed stars, which in that tradition precede and predate the sort of zodiac in that the zodiac is derived from the nakshatras according to that tradition. Um, and Anna says, and therefore projection on our bodies. Now that's interesting. Yeah. On our astral bodies, says Hodi. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agnes says, I agree, except I think events in the astral prefigure physical events. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do too. I guess. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I'm trying to think of what. Uh, yeah, but that's a really good point. Yeah, I don't think that they don't. Let me just let that fit for a second. But thank you for calling attention to that. Yeah. They certainly do. I think it goes back to this this conversation that, that you had and others were about the potentials. Right? The astral that see as like the potentials. That prefigure. But we don't know what's going to happen until it happens. <laughs> until the potentials clash with... The the events, right? They that that balance that 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 Hoda was talking about with the scales, right? Where where our unique individual hearts and countenances are are sort of who we are at our core, smacking up against actual circumstances. And if we're lucky, yeah, we have that break and we're able to weigh this and really bring some intentionality to it. Uh, but often there's not intentionality, right? Um, Things are just ripening as they're going to ripen uh, because of who we are, because of the circumstances that make themselves known. But I think that higher evolved Libra archetype is pointing to this sort of beautiful calculus where you can really try to match and try to really bring balance and equilibrium to uh, who you are at your core and what the circumstances are sort of affording you the opportunity to demonstrate. Or to bring into the world or to express, etc. Julie says, now I'm thinking of Earth's access, Earth, Earth's axis, karma, and scales. Ooh, say more. Yeah. I like how you bring in the axis in here. And now I got Jimi Hendrix axis, the oldest love in my head. Just at the axis. Mm. to put that in music after this it's a great song but yeah julie if you have anything more you want to share on that uh feel free to come off mute or put it in the chat you see your typing sorry yo yeah mm. yeah as you're typing i'm sort of getting this yeah i can't really put words to it but I'm feeling something on this. I'm like rocking back and forth for some reason <laughs> as I'm thinking about this axis and how it relates to the karma and the scales. But I'm like just rocking. Not sure I can articulate more. No worries, Julie. No worries at all. I know that feeling too well where it's like, yes, there's so much more, but I can't possibly express them in words. I'm sorry. Feels potent though. I'm gonna write that down. Yes. Please do. And maybe see what comes what comes through. But yeah, sometimes it's like, 
you just hit that pre-verbal gnosis where it's like, I can't really put words to this yet, but oh, wow, I can feel the power of it. Agnew says, that reminds me of that card that Hoda pulled in that container earlier this month, one of the circular ones. And this is specifically this, this, uh, this uh, threesome of the Earth's axis, karma, and scales and bringing them together. Hmm. I wonder if it was justice. That'd be funny. <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, just to bring it all totally full circle. <laughs> um, now I'm like picturing because of the because of that phrase axis moody. This is just the way. Like I don't know. You can never I can never really tell if what's coming up in my mind, if it's just like gray synapses firing against each other because there's connections or if there's more going on, right? But I'm thinking of Axis Mundi like, I'm thinking of Axis now like Earth's Axis as like the Earth's spine. And this sort of, I don't know how else to describe it, but that's that's what's coming up right now, like invoking the very spine of Earth as it relates to this balancing relating to karma and justice. Hoda says, ooh, I wonder if it was the chariot. Agnes says, I don't know the name. It's a picture of the Zodiac. I think deep blue in the center or the Earth and the Zodiac banding the edge. Mm. Trying to think. Mm. The spine of the Earth, Hoda says. Yeah, exactly. Like, ooh. Makes me want to put my shoulders back. Just thinking about the spine of Earth. Like, oh, let me put my shoulders back for her. Come on, goddess. Let's put our shoulders back. Get our spine straight. So that we can really balance. Mm. So, I do want to be respectful of time. I see this 4.30. So, I do want to maybe work to close the container. It is feeling pretty complete. But I feel like maybe... I don't know if anyone else wants to just share some final takeaways, images, phrases, or maybe just things that they're going to sit with. I know Julie mentioned sort of sitting with this, this Earth's access kind of more and seeing what comes up. But I want to invite anyone else to share what might be a takeaway for them or what they're going to maybe sit with or think about a little bit more as it relates to this really juicy space on justice. Thank you, Anna. I had no anticipation of all this, this, uh, this richness today. I love being surprised by this container every week. But does anyone have anything they want to share as a final takeaway, final question, final thought, image that's, that's sticking with them? seeing some typing so Ooh. thank you Otis she said it was very full yeah I'm feeling that way too I feel like I just had a great meal with a bunch of awesome friends mm. and I do feel like I got to know justice better Yes, but it says it's difficult 
for me to choose one thing, but I feel like I'm going to partner with Ma'at in my next meditation. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's funny, actually, speaking of like justice archetypes and deities that rule over justice, uh, the picture that I have is my PFP, which it's hard to see, but that woman, uh, that goddess that's showing up in the top right corner, actually, from, from when I drew that, it came to me as Themis, which is a, a Greek goddess of justice, which is, a, I wouldn't say equivalent, but has a lot in common functionarily speaking and some archetypal symbolism as, um, as Ma'at and sort of justice as we picture her. Bottom right, Agnes says. Oh, he was sharing. It was the Wheel of Fortune. Uh-huh. The Wheel of Fortune was coming up. And I was kind of making him think of the axis. Yeah, because there's this beautiful axis point where you see all the planets and luminaries aligned. Now, what are they connect this time? Let's see. Yeah. I can't tell which two... Two is there that looks like Gemini? So is that cancer? Can't tell. Anyway, yes, the wheel of fortune's been invoked too now. Thank you. Well, thank everybody once again um for this. Thank you, Justice, for coming into this space for sharing your wisdom with us through all of us. Um, and I really, yeah, I'm excited to see how this might show for people as folks have their own inner scales this week, um, measuring themselves up against the circumstances, measuring sort of what to do with their time this week. Thank you all. All right, have a great rest of your week. And I look forward to seeing more. And we'll also um, continue the conversation in the in the pot. And uh, there's a thread called Archetypal Hour where you can also share things too if it feels relevant to you. Thank you all. Have a great one.